Awareness, the final frontier. These are the explorations of Jonathan Robinson and Brian Tom O'Connor. Their continuing mission, to discover fresh new paths to the mystery within. To seek out new joys and new methods of awakening. To boldly go into the heart of expanded consciousness. This is Awareness Explorers. And it's another episode of Awareness Explorers. Welcome. Thank you for joining us, the Exploratory family. I'm Jonathan Robinson, and I'm here with my trusty co-host, Brian Tom O'Connor. And the topic today is the voice in your head. What is it? What can we do about it? What does it all mean? What does it mean to you, Brian? The voice in your head? Well, it depends on whether I'm listening to it or not. I think ultimately it doesn't mean anything. It's not me, and I don't really create it or control it. Well, thanks. You just summarized everything we need to say about this. <laughs> it's true. That's what do we do for the next half hour? Um, <laughs> well, we can unpack all of those things in detail. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. First, before we get into the voice in our head, your head, my head, uh, I do want to thank all our Patreon supporters. And at the end of the podcast, we'll talk about how you can support us further with that. We, but we really appreciate it. But, you know, the first time I remember thinking that this voice that's talking to me in my head was not necessarily having my best interests in mind. I was like uh, 13 years old. And I realized that this voice is often or was often telling me, you better not say that or you better not do that. Or you'll look stupid. And it would just do that a lot during the day. And it prevented me from connecting with any girls because anytime I thought of connecting with them, that voice would say that. And at some point I realized this voice might not be my friend. It certainly is not a friend to my love life. And um, that's how I started to have a different relationship with it is just realizing that it was not me and was not necessarily my friend. And I'm wondering if you have a similar story about when you first realize that this voice is not 100% on your side. Oh, absolutely. I, I do remember. I don't remember the exact time, but I remember what I, when I first noticed that, the thing that I noticed about it was that there was a second voice that came in as a rebuttal to the first voice, usually uh -huh. using foul language and yelling at it. <laughs> the voice that, you know, put you down and say, oh, you just said a stupid thing or um, or don't do that or be careful. People will judge you. And then there's this other voice coming in, telling it to, uh, you know, go bleep itself. And, right. and I thought, wait a minute, what? What's going on? Are either of those helpful to me? Are either of those useful? Do either of those have my best interests at heart? I believe yeah, ultimately they do, just not, uh, or they think they do, but they're mistaken. Right. And so it'd be more accurate to say not the voice in our head, the voices in our head, That's right. of which there's an entire a rambunctious committee, and they are often arguing with each other. And then there's this thing that listens to that, which might be called the witness or the watcher, 
And as that grows, you become more and more aware that, A, you don't have control over it. B, it's not necessarily your friend. And C, it's completely out of control and never shuts up. Right. <laughs> and not only that, but, um, well, I think you summarized it very well when you talked about that there's a, a witness or the watcher or or we can say pure awareness, what's aware of the voice in your head. Um, it doesn't go away even when the voice is going crazy. And that's really important to know because we think it does. Yeah. We lose connection to it or we lose, we stop noticing it. You know, one question is, what is the purpose of all this self-talk and where does it come from? You know, most people's relationship with it is if it is them. So if it is you, you don't kind of dissect it or deconstruct it. But once you realize that it's not you and it may not have your best interest in mind, you start to wonder, well, you know, as a psychotherapist, I can say, well, a lot of it came from certain incidents in my childhood or it came from my DNA or something like that. But a lot of it is very impersonal. You know, it, it's not me deciding I will think this. It just comes out of the void. It does whatever it does. And then I identify and attach my identity to it, which is really kind of strange because in a certain way, it has nothing to do with the me in this moment. That's absolutely right. And you make a good point that it sort of comes out of the void. I mean, if we chose what that voice in our head says, would we ever choose the awful things that it says about us? No. Yeah, we would choose to focus on love, light, and contribution, which happens occasionally, maybe as you get into spirituality. But that's not what the voice is. It's kind of like, Gravity brings everything down. And I think the voice in the head is ultimately a survival mechanism to create a picture of reality that was helpful 100,000 years ago. You know, it was helpful 100,000 years ago for the voice in your head to say, is that dangerous? Might that person be something? Uh, did, was that Russell in the bush, uh, possibly a tiger? And to be kind of paranoid. So in a way, we're the descendants of several hundred thousand years of paranoid minds. And that's who we identify with. It's amazing the world works as well as it does. It is amazing. But you're so right. And you bring up a really good point. And, and even if you don't go back a hundred thousand years, even if you just go back to when you were one or two, that voice is a survival voice. It does want to protect you. It sees that there is harm in the world, and it's trying to guide you. So in that sense, it actually loves you. It actually wants to protect you. It's just that usually it's trying to protect you from something that's no longer a danger or not really a danger. So it's out of date. I always say it's like a big dumb guard that doesn't realize that what it's guarding you against, it, you don't need to be guarded against anymore. And I think a very good way of dealing with it. The problem is we fight it. And when we fight it, and when we resist it, and when that second voice comes in telling it to, uh, you know, telling it to bugger off, it just creates 
more noise and more conflict. And I remember Pamela Wilson, who we had on the show a while ago, said, you honor it. You love it. You allow it to be there. You honor it. You thank it for its opinion. But you don't necessarily act on its opinion, and you realize that it is not the true you. The true you is not the voice in your head that's talking. It's who or what the voice is talking to. Good point. And I think that as you create that disidentification, that the voice kind of, it, it feeds off of attention. So if you give it a lot of attention, it gets stronger. But if your attitude towards it is, oh, that's just like some random sound. Or as a enlightened friend of mine says, it's like a radio playing in the deep background that you can barely hear and you're not really paying attention to. And if it's just that, then, you know, it doesn't affect your life. It's only when you are fighting it or it is the foreground. It is the thing you're paying attention to that it can do so much damage to our peace. And the question becomes, how do you create that distance? How do you create that non-identification with it? Or how do you lower the volume on that radio? Yeah, that really is the key question. And I think that I think there's a couple of steps to the answer. And one is to notice what else is present in your awareness that isn't words going through your head. Your body sensations, sounds that you hear, all of your perceptions, smells. These are things that are right now in awareness along with the voice in your head. So when you turn your attention to what is appearing wordlessly, then it's easier than just saying, I, I will not listen to the voice in my head or trying to quiet that voice. You, you shift your attention to what's already there that's wordless. And then the second step is to look at that awareness in which it all appears and ask, well, what is its nature? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I definitely like that approach. And what's great about that approach is that it's always here. All that stuff is already coming in. It's our batting it away that takes energy right. in a way. So it's a relaxation. You don't have to meditate your way out of the voice. You just have to stop concentrating on the voice so much and be with what actually is happening now in the world, which is sensations and sounds and sights and all the other things that we experience. I I know of another way that I've been experimenting with, and I find maybe it's even easier for me or quicker. And for 1995, I will tell you what that is. <laughs> I'm kidding. I liken that the voice in our head is always creating a story. There's always what a term I'll sometimes say is, what's the story running in my head now? And that story is a made-up story because there really is no story in the world. We experience the world one precise moment at a time. 
like a picture. You know, if you took a picture with your iPhone, it might be of nature. You can create a story around it. Oh, they're having a beautiful day and they're taking a walk in nature. But the picture does not have a story attached to it. It's just a picture. But, you know, we love movies. We love stories. We love books with stories. So that voice in our head is always creating a story about what's going on in our lives. And just like a movie, some people are attracted to certain types of stories, like horror stories. You know, people who, they always have a horror story going on. You know, they, and it's not that, you know, everybody has bad things going on, but they've been in a horror movie for the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. At some point, you have to say, uh, Joe, I think you're creating this movie. Um, or some people live in a romantic comedy. You know, it's always, oh, we're trying to do this and we're having this wonderful experience or not having this wonderful experience. But it's all based on, no matter what's going on in their life, the main story is a romantic comedy. And some people, it's a drama. Uh, Some people, it's a thriller. And what's funny is none of that's going on. That's all made up in our head. And by taking actual pictures of each moment and not stringing those pictures together, like how they do on film, you can step out of the story, out of the movie, out of the narrative self, out of the voice in the head that's creating a story, and just be here now. That's beautiful technique. What do you think? Yeah, I like it a lot. I think it's great. And one of the stories, one of the movie plots that people live in is the spiritual quest. Ah, yes. My favorite story. (laughs) Of course. Awareness, the final frontier. (laughs) Guilty as charged. Absolutely. I know. Yeah. But the thing is that, that, and, and that, leads us to realize that that voice in your head and the movie, the story that it's creating, is all based on past or future. Mm-hmm. And so your antidote of the present moment is is absolutely key. It's like it's like the voice in your head creates a virtual reality. It's like you put this headset on and all of a sudden you're 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 in this whole other world that is not really happening now. And real reality is simply this unique present moment, which is all there is, all there can ever be, and in a sense, who you really are. Yeah, you know, I love how you uh, mentioned that one of the stories is the great spiritual quest. dum da dum And how subtle that is for a lot of us spiritual seekers, because, you know, we like we we like to create this sense of self-importance that I'm a spiritual seeker questing and I'm moving up the spiritual stepladder. And it's been many decades and I'm putting in my time and I'm going to be the hero of this quest. And someday, baby, someday. And all of that is a still a story that keeps you from this moment. That's absolutely right. So, so true. And it's so paradoxical, you know, I mean, it, 
you know, this beautiful experience that we all wish we will have, this enlightening moment, this awakening, in our minds is all something that's going to happen in the future. And, Which uh, means that if it is always going to happen in the future, it's never going to happen to us. <laughs> exactly. It's never going to happen if it's always and forever in the future. But everything that we think we want to, to have in that future experience is here now, just mm-hmm. waiting for us to notice it. Yeah. Bliss, like to- joy acceptance, peace, um, contentment, however you want to describe it. And But sometimes the now is not that. Sometimes the now is frustrating, annoying, all those things. So it's really our relationship to the emotions and voice in our head that is the key. If your relationship to, to that is that is you, then you have a very limited reality. If your relationship to it is that is what's arising in a greater field of awareness, then you're free. And so it's all about relationship. And when you can say, okay, the story I'm running now in my head is, that moves you back from being totally identified and changes your relationship. And I like to tell people uh, a mantra that I use is right now is the single most important moment of my life. And it's an interesting statement because we never think that really, most of us. But what other moment? I mean, this is the most, you're in this moment. It is the most important moment of your life. And separate from even any story that you're learning good stuff or you're, going to do something important today. No, right this second, because you're in this moment, is the most important moment. And your relationship with this moment is the most important relationship in your life. Yes, yes, that's true. And in fact, this moment is the only moment that is. Try telling that to the voice in my head. (laughs) Well, when you say sometimes in this moment, things are not peaceful, calm, and happiness and bliss, that may be true, but only in the story. Yeah, yeah. Not in reality, only in the story. And the story is there to make a distinction between what you want to have happen and what is really happening. Mm Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like to think, like, in a way we have... um, two or three television stations to tune into. One story is, one station, Channel 2, is pure action, drama, romantic comedy, horror stories, the whole, you know, the whole TV scenario. That's always on that channel. Then there's Channel 1, which is the awareness channel, in which it's all one thing coming out of the void, uh, it's all interconnected. We are part of it. And it's always peaceful on that channel. And it's great to have more than one channel because sometimes channel two really sucks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and perhaps there's other channels as well. Like it seems like some people are living in a channel where 
everything is love and beauty. You know, they're they're really in a romantic comedy. And, you know, that's one form of enlightenment that no matter what's going on, they see it as beautiful. I've known a couple of people like that, you know, and some of our guests have mentioned life that's kind of like that as well, that they might be partly on channel one, but they're also in when they look out in the material world, the story they got going on in their head is it's all love. I hate people like that. <laughs> I want to become one of them, but you know, they, they piss me off. I know you're kidding. Uh, no, uh, no, yeah, you really? Maybe kidding. you're not. Oh, I thought you were. I love no, being around I, people like that. <laughs> well, I, I love okay. I, yes. I, Sometimes if I'm in a bad mood, I don't want to hear how life is beautiful, but. Usually, if I am in a bad mood, I, 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 I sort of by second nature drop into the background of experience that's okay with being in a bad mood. Right, right. I'm being a little bit facetious, but that's you're okay. right. If I'm in a bad mood, I might, <laughs> I might have a hard time being around such a person. But, but anyway, go ahead with your channel analogy. So those are the three main channels that I'm aware of. And it's really great when you have more than one channel because you know life on channel two might be a horror show we've just ended one of the hardest years in in my lifetime with the pandemic and there's people dying and people having trouble and it's nice to take like a commercial break (laughs) (laughs) now a word from our sponsor consciousness and God, and just float in in that peaceful, nothing's happening, there's no story, there's just now and peace, commercial break. And then when you have to go back to Channel 2 and the current uh, drama, you're better prepared. You're, you, you don't react so much. And when that voice in your head starts blabbing, you're, there's a sense of humor about it. Yeah. Is there a channel zero? Um, you tell me. I, I'm, I'm open. You know, I want cable. I want as many channels as possible. <laughs> well, it makes me think uh, channel zero and channel one um, might correspond to sort of the two ways of being with our true nature, which is paradoxically nothing and everything. Mm -hmm. We're nothing because pure awareness or that which we are or that which is aware of all experience or that in which all experience appears is, has no qualities of its own. It's featureless. It's nothing. It's pure experiencing. It's empty. Anything that has a quality can be known by it, so is not it. So in that sense, we're nothing. But since in the world there's really only one thing, just energy forming, arising and falling in various temporary forms, we are not actually separate from it. So we are everything. So... Everything is is channel one, and everything is one, and nothing is channel zero. And reality is sort of like toggles back and forth between zero and one. Both are true. It's like the yang and yin symbol. Mm 
Well said. And I would say that reality really includes Channel 2 as well, with all the drama and the horror. And and well, they're, all, yes. they're all different takes on it, and they're all true. <laughs> That's a really good point, because if there's only one thing going on, then um, Channel 2 is part of what is as well. It all is what is. And the trick is, do we get drawn into Channel 2 and do we identify with Channel 2 and do we think it's us or do we notice Channel 1 and Channel 0 are also available at any given time? Yeah. You know, it's funny where I live, uh, Channel 2 is CBS. I always yes. thought it was funny that they would term a channel C. BS. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's kind of what we get to see. Well, you know, channel one is very nice. Channel zero is closer to absolute reality. And if you want to move to channel two, you get to see a bunch of BS. <laughs> that's hilarious. You know, it's so funny that I never really thought of it that way. I'm surprised my father, who all his life worked for the competing network, NBC, never, <laughs> never told us of that way of looking at CBS. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, our listeners right now, you're in a movie, the movie of you, and you can label that movie as the, the, the movie I'm in, the story I'm running now is whatever it is. But our job partly is to take breaks from that movie, however we can through meditation or awareness games or uh, you know, just being aware of the movie you're running in your head or listening to your heart or going into your body, so many different ways. And then there's the world movie. There is a kind of, you know, if you look at the news, there's always a lot going on. And I think as you are, learn to step out of the movie that your uh, voice in your head creates, you can also learn to not take the outward movie quite so seriously, that there's a correlation between those. You know, when I take what my head says really seriously, then I get lost in, you know, the pandemic or the politics. And some of the ways to best not be so impacted by that is the same way I'm not so impacted by the voice in my head. Yeah. Absolutely right. Uh, those both vie for our attention. They say, pay attention to me. I'm what's important. And when we get into the habit of just shifting our attention, not trying to make that stuff go away, not necessarily even trying to fix it, but to shift our attention to the wordless, storyless field, which is our true nature. And we just do it many times a day, as often as we think of it. And the more we do it, the more we remind ourselves to do it, the more we, as Locke Kelly puts it, remember to remember to mm -hmm. do it, the more it becomes second nature and easy just to, just to drop it, drop in, drop back, step the half step back into the background of all experience, the ground of being your true nature. And it's fun and it's lovely and it's, and it's peaceful. And, Oddly enough, when the more time you spend there, the more you accept the fact that sometimes you actually have to step up and lend a hand 
in the story of the world to mm -hmm. make things better, especially if it's in service of other people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the tools we have to uh, create sanity and to remember the wordless isness of now is connecting with other people who are into it because that's a, like a, the antidote story. You know, it's almost like we're poisoned by all the these fairy tales, as Don Henley once said. Um, and we need the the antidote and talking about it on this podcast or with friends. That's, you know, we, we obviously want to grow our audience, but I also think that the way to create sanity now is that you have more people who you can share this information with because you know, I look forward to these sessions with you, Brian, because it's it's kind of like talking ourselves out of a tree and into sanity. <laughs> yes, it does feel like that. And, uh, and you know, we have now a bunch of supporters on this thing called Patreon, patreon.com slash awareness explorers. And people donate like a dollar a month or sometimes more. And you know, it helps to pay for the podcast. But besides that, I, I feel like it feels really good when people do that because I feel like they are recognizing that they're getting fed by this other world and that we are, we all, we all can kind of feed that sanity, whether it's through supporting our podcast or whatever you do, it's a way of tipping the scales more in the favor of sanity because it's kind of like you know with media and our the voice in our head and everything there's a million pounds on this world of story and drama and whatever you can do whether it be tell your friends about this podcast or explore topics on your own or support us on patreon or whatever it is it's kind of like a little weight on the scale of let's bring it back to Reality is really peaceful. It's here. It's now. And we need to invest in that world as well. Mm -hmm. You know, reading a book about it, uh, whatever it takes, is it's all helping to tilt the scales more towards this world that does not have... Uh, uh, is is does not have a big promoter on it. You know, God does not hire promoters, uh, <laughs> but but we still need to make sure that we're attending to that world, and every little step helps. And what you said about community is is so true. I, I mean, I'm a member of of a few different meetup groups, and um, when we get together and these day and age, it's virtually, although it used to be in person. I am always amazed by the collective wisdom of my friends in these groups uh, and how we support each other, how we try out our ideas and toss them around with each other, and how we collectively look, shift our attention, how, how, we, how we collectively help each other to look inside. And not only that, there's a strange sort of energy to it. And, you know, I know energy is a kind of a vague term, a vague. Wait, wait, wait. There's a term. miracle happening now. Brian is talking about vague energy. <laughs> <laughs> a, a believer. It finally happened. 
<laughs> but there is something happens when several people are in the room together. Um, there is an energy, and sometimes it's not good energy, and sometimes it, it, it's wonderful, healing, nurturing energy. And yeah, I don't really know how to define it. How, what what I mean by energy, except that I can sense it, I can feel it. I totally agree. I, yeah, there's a field effect. Uh, hey, Jesus said when two or more are gathered, uh, something else he said at the end of that sentence, but you know, it, it's definitely there. <laughs> And and hopefully our listeners can feel into that on our podcast because we feel it. Yeah. Any last words about the voice in your head before you try to eliminate it through one of your wonderful guided meditations? Hmm, the voice in your head. Um, well, I think the only question that we haven't asked is, well, maybe we did, but does it tell the truth? And what if it doesn't? Yeah. What if nothing it tells us is actually true? Well, I like Byron Katie's first question. Is it true? And if you just ask that a lot of the time, you'll go, nah, you know. Right. right. Um, but it's not always that the problem is it's not always wrong. It's just wrong a lot of the time. And it's up to us, up to maybe our intuition or quieting our mind when we can say, yeah, that's true. That isn't true. And mm. it goes back to what's our relationship with it. A lot of people, they're, the default relationship is thinking that everything it says it's true. But if you look back on your life and you see how many times it was wrong, then you start to get a little bit suspicious that it might only be right 50% of the time. Right. So just asking the question is is worthwhile, whether yeah. it's true or not. And the other thing that asking the question does is it um, it brings you closer to realizing that you're the witness, you're the hearer, you're what is aware of the voice, you're not the voice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the voice doesn't want to lose out on its uh on its audience so it never it generally does not point you to the witness right right that's that's a really good point <laughs> knowing that that the voice in your head is not necessarily pointing you in the right direction unless of course the voice in your head is saying now just relax and shift your attention from the content of awareness to awareness itself then maybe if it's saying that, maybe it is pointing you in the right direction. That's true. And one of the great things about guided meditations is you're kind of letting the voice in your head quiet while you listen to the voice outside of your head that can point you to that quietness. It's kind of like um, taking a 10-minute vacation and by listening to this guided meditation, it can get you to a place where you are in an expanded state of consciousness, which is one of the wonders of guided meditations. And I don't know, we have like 40 of them on our website. Now they're all free. And I think a lot of them are really fantastic. If I say so myself, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like them. I like them too. And there's probably who knows, there's probably closer to 70. 
Mm. Since uh, we have almost one every episode, once yeah. in a while we'll have a guest who doesn't do one. But um, <clears throat> and I think I don't know what we're up to now seventy four episode something like that. But and anyway. soon about seventy different guided meditations. One is going to happen very soon, if I'm not mistaken. Sure, I might as well dive into it now. Great. Okay, here we go. First, close your eyes, unless you're driving or walking, and take an easy deep breath and relax. Just for now, see if you can allow whatever arises in your experience to just be the way it is, without trying to change, manipulate, or fix anything. And that includes how your body feels inside and out. Just let it feel the way it does right now. And that includes whatever emotions you may or may not be feeling. Just allow yourself to feel the way you do right now. And that includes whatever thoughts are running through your head. Just let them be there. Let them come and let them go. Ask yourself, am I deciding what thoughts appear? Or are they just popping up all by themselves? Let them pop up and flow through, and imagine that they're coming from somewhere outside of yourself, flowing into your mind and out again. Now turn your attention to whatever sounds are appearing right now. Maybe the hum of a radiator, or wind, or traffic. Notice that they seem to be flowing into your mind from somewhere outside of yourself. Now turn your attention back to the voice in your head. I'll be quiet for a few moments so you can listen to it talking. Notice that, like the outside sounds, the voice is flowing into your mind from somewhere outside of yourself. As you listen to the voice, ask yourself, who is it talking to?
who hears the voice in your head. If your answer is, I do, then notice that the I who hears your voice isn't the voice. Notice that the real you isn't the voice in your head. The real you is the one who hears the voice. The same you who hears sounds and feels your body sensations. The clear, open field of awareness that has no qualities of its own because all qualities appear in it, in you. Now that you see that the voice in your head isn't you, let's see if we can quiet it down a bit. Let's experiment with wordlessness. Start by noticing everything that appears in awareness, but without words attached to it. Sounds, Sensations, smells, perceptions. See if you can notice these wordlessly. No labels, no descriptions. If words pop up, trying to label your sensations or sounds, simply ignore them by turning your attention back to the pure sensation or the pure sound as it appears within you, awareness. I'll be quiet for a while and see if you can experience your experience wordlessly. Now, at your own pace, take another easy, deep breath. 
and slowly open your eyes. Wonderful as usual. I had an interesting experience at the end there where when you told us to just be aware of stuff wordlessly, the voice in my head said, protested, it said, but that's really hard to do. <laughs> and then another voice in my head said, it's not that hard, it's just relaxing. So I went with that voice and just kind of relaxed into sensations. And um, it was easy. <laughs> and right. it's funny, you know, without that voice, I mean, that voice that said, oh, that's really hard to do, you know, or it's going to take years or whatever. How, how I believe that voice in many times, but since I didn't believe at this time it was just very easy to go into a wordless place that was beautiful and 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 that's our nature so it shouldn't be that hard yeah i think you really hit on a a, a key uh concept here or a, a uh, an important way of looking at it the voice is going to tell you it's hard because it wants to preserve itself. Yeah. It it's it's telling you that in its own interest. And the other key was that you mentioned just shifting your attention to sensations. Mm -hmm. Because without the stories, without the words, sensations are just sensations. They're just maybe tingling or maybe some sort of pattern that you're noticing, and that you can actually experience them fully and deeply without words labeling them, describing them, or telling a story about them. Absolutely. And, and uh, it is... Channel zero and one. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's do an advertisement for those. <laughs> and uh, a great exploration. Great. Don't meditation. touch that dial. Stay tuned. Yes. Yes. Next For week. Nothing. Next week. <laughs> Next week. Next week, channel two. Right now, channel one. Forever, Absolutely. channel zero. So thank you, listeners. Um, feel free to get our extras blog and guided meditations and all kinds of stuff at patreon.com slash awareness explorers for as little as a dollar a month. And tell your friends, but most important, Tell that voice in your head to be quiet every once in a while and to look at channel zero and one because those are absolutely as real as this other stuff that we always seem to have going on. Sure. And to remember that uh, if the voice in your head doesn't feel like being quiet, don't fight with it. Just notice that that. Those channels zero and one are there, always available, even when channel two is going on and doing its thing. Quite true, quite true. And have fun with it. Yeah. So keep exploring. Keep exploring. Thank you for listening to Awareness Explorers. To learn more, you can check out our website at awarenessexplorers.com. Please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast app. 
We'd love it if you would post a review. And please share our link on Facebook and with family and friends. Because knowing yourself as awareness is the greatest gift you can give yourself or someone you love.